0: Parents and devoted carers, welcome to my Mighty Quinn, the introductory podcast series from the brain health movement that delves into the root causes of our children's neurological challenges, providing explanations, revelations and transformations amidst a staggering statistic. One in five children in every classroom right now is grappling with a learning, behaviour, attention or other developmental delay, while traditional methods of diagnosis and support remain unchanged in over half a century. Our SEN and GPs and our education and medical establishment leave many of us feeling unsupported with countless unanswered questions, contradictory information, and often with drugs as the only offering. I'm Lucia Silva, your host, and above all, the devoted and proud mother to the mighty Quinn, my 10-year-old son. I've experienced the struggles firsthand, And after five years of tirelessly researching and searching for some meaningful answers and help, here is what every parent needs to know. There are scientific explanations for the prevalence of learning, behaviour and attention challenges such as ADHD, autism, Tourette's, tics and dyslexia. And there is a proven, drug-free approach that can transform children's lives, just like Quinn's awe-inspiring journey from ticks, turbulence, distraction and disconnection to a life of calm, confidence, coordination and connection. You need to hear this. I don't want you to have to go through what I have when there are brilliant doctors and paediatric experts who are changing thousands of lives right now. You need to meet these brilliant, trailblazing child development specialists we are gathering at the Brain Health Movement where together we are raising awareness for the drug-free, movement-focused approach that is dramatically improving the lives of countless children, just like Quinn. Brace yourself for explanations, revelations and transformations brought to you from a parent, kindly, accessibly and effectively. Captivating interviews, life-changing information and heartwarming success stories that will inspire, support and empower you. Are you ready to witness your child's boundless power? Let's begin. Welcome to the fifth and final episode of this introductory series, My Mighty Quinn. I can't tell you how much better I feel just to have been able to talk about this with you and and to share and not be alone. And I'm especially happy also that I'm able to share good news. Had I been talking to you six months ago, my story would have been an altogether different one. I would have been feeling maybe what you're feeling now, isolated, overwhelmed, frustrated, helpless with all the contradictory information, and of course, deeply concerned for my child's future for Quinn. How, how is he going to manage this world? How is he going to be independent? How will he be happy and confident and have agency over his own life? And maybe this is, this is how you feel right now. Uh, and I know I needed a community. I needed trusted guidance. And I really needed a roadmap. Someone who'd done this successfully before to just tell me A to Z, this is what you need to do. Keep doing it. Don't stop. You know, I, I needed encouragement. And somewhere I could check in every once in a while with any questions I may have. And this may also be how you feel too. If it is, we'd love to hear from you over in the Brain Balance Movement Facebook group. What do you need right now? How can we help? Talk to us. Please don't feel alone. You're not alone. There is huge support here for you. And, and this is clearly a huge subject. And we're just scraping the surface of the surface here in this introductory series. But to be clear, m- my overriding desire for you listening now are two clear outcomes. One. For you to now understand the real root causes that create the symptoms you're seeing in your children and with this to know that the brain is proven to be neuroplastic and therefore can change and two for you to feel inspired by the explanations revelations and transformations we share here at the brain balance movement and through this introductory podcast series move towards starting on a program of positive transformation for your child with the exercises and lifestyle changes we can guide you to and support you with. And of course, if you're pregnant, a parent-to-be, then together with us you are starting the journey awakened and more educated. You will know the signs to look out for. You'll know the important timings of the milestones like crawling, walking, talking, that your child should be meeting. And if not, you will know what needs to be addressed or what to work on, catching up if things are delayed. As Dr. Josh said in the previous episode, the best therapist is you, the parent. And I say repeatedly, information is the mothership. And it is with this information, together with the consistent implementation you've heard that I employed with Quinn, that you have the power to make this decision and start taking action. I've been able to see the most incredible changes in my son, Quinn, and you can do the same. I promise you can. I've been feeling like a lone island until I met Dr. Josh Madsen, Seb Kane, and others, and until I started reading some of the pioneering scientists, researchers and experts in this field of child brain development. I found huge volumes of medical work to explain and support a movement based program and more importantly, clinical evidence, hundreds of case studies of children experiencing huge improvements and in some cases totally reversing their conditions and diagnoses. And surely this evidence is the most important of all. There are also countless case studies of inspiring before and afters, and we'll enjoy some more of these again in today's podcast with Dr Josh. But there's definitely something in the air now. This is the time for substantive change in the way we raise our kids, when we know categorically, undeniably, that some of the things we're doing and not doing are having a detrimental effect on our children's development. Just last night on BBC World News, there was a whole feature on the brain's neuroplasticity. With new technology, there was this little baby in a smart suit, and they were monitoring its motor development, and they were linking it directly to cognitive development, saying that the more normal is one, the more normal is the other. They were talking about the importance of healthy movement and reaching exact milestones, and if not, then this was indicative of something being delayed or awry all of which pointed to the possibility of preventing this in the first place if we understand the importance of correct foundations and movement, movement, movement. I know that many of you are raring to get going. Show me how to assess my kids' primitive reflexes. Give me the exercises we need to do. And some of you may have lots of questions and you're all at different stages along the way. We're digesting this information. You're probably observing your baby child, children, teenagers, young adults through this lens now with this information. You may even be pregnant or thinking of conceiving and working out how to get started with this program if this all makes sense to you. So I thought the best thing I could do in this last introductory series is encourage you to download the free guide to the crucial facts you need to know about your beautiful child. So you have this as yours to keep and the link to that's in the show notes. And if you haven't already, please join the Brain Balance Movement Facebook group. The link's also in the show notes to that. And it's from here that we will steer this ship forwards and create a beautiful community for support and change. But I also thought that together with Dr. Josh, we will endeavor to answer some of the loudest questions we are receiving from you in the lead up to starting the real work with your kids. And we will also share with you some more specific real life examples of parents and kids with a variety of symptoms across learning, attention, reading, social and other developmental delays that have worked with these exercises and seen fantastic results. So hello again, Dr. Josh, how are you?
1: I am doing great. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: So how incredible to see this feature the other day on BBC Worldwide News. I'm not sure if you guys get it, but uh, I was just sitting there completely flabbergasted. Are, are you seeing more features and and documentaries in this area coming out in the US as
1: well? Um, there, there's uh, there is a lot, and there's been a lot, and you know in the the concept or the the theory or like really not a theory the concept of neuroplasticity has been around for a, a long time and there's been research working on this for long periods of time from the 1940s 1950s so it's nothing that's new um but just like anything it's it takes time for that research to develop into a solid foundation but now we kind of have that
0: yes and and of course to to be delivered into a relevant context where parents who are receiving diagnoses and thinking, well, that's that. The prevalence and understanding of neuroplasticity is is critical and even embarking on on a program of change. We need to know scientifically that 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 is realistic.
1: Correct. Yeah. And, And, you know, a lot of kids have a diagnosis and that's where they are in that time, that period of that, they got diagnosed at that time. That's where they, neurologically, maybe that's where they are at that time, but there's, no one out there saying in research de- and doesn't support it in a lot of ways that that can't change. And in most cases, it does change. If you have the correct direction and you know, you're working towards that, you can typically make some massive improvements.
0: Right, precisely. So I love to start with a bit of gratitude and inspiration. It does wonders for my mindset and, and bringing me into the present with what is real and now rather than being defined by, you know, my fears, worries, or triggers from the past. So perhaps we could start with some good news from the clinic this morning. I was thinking what a great tagline for something we could do regularly. Good news from Dr. Josh's clinic this morning. Yeah. Um, Can you tell us, can you tell us about a patient that's seen some fabulous transformation this week?
1: Yeah. 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 We just finished up with a a couple week intensive with a kid uh, last week, which was really fun. He was a nonverbal autistic child that also had down syndrome. So he had a genetic disorder on top of it. Um, he came in, um, because he was, well, lots of different issues, but constantly stemming. He wasn't, um, you know, wasn't having any kind of communication, even non communication with people. He wasn't really aware of what was going on besides he was just stemming pretty much constantly. Um, and so we worked with him for two weeks by the end of the two weeks, uh, we'll have a uh, on like our social media and stuff, we'll have uh, a couple of videos coming out of him. But the, uh, by the end of the two weeks, his stemming was dramatically reduced to the point where he was, you know, doing it on occasion. Um, he was starting to make eye contact. He was starting to try to verbalize words. Um, he was also, Like when mom would, you know, point to something of like, hey, look at this, he would actually look at it and he was becoming aware of his surroundings, like that there was something else, you know, going on around him besides, you know, stemming. Um, And so those are really cool changes within just a couple of weeks that, uh, and also secondarily, behaviors were a lot calmer. He was just easier to work with. I mean, I remember the first day when I tried to do the exam, it was like, it was like chasing a... I mean, I literally chased him around the room constantly trying to get my exam done. And by the end of it, he was able to follow directions that we had, that the staff had him do. He was able to do the different activities, which was a really large transformation, but we primarily just worked on his primitive reflexes, getting his sensory systems to start activating or getting him some sensory perception. Um, and we used lasers and everything like that to help with blood flow. But um, yeah, really, really fun case there.
0: Wow and please describe to me what his parents must have said, how they felt, how they reacted when they saw their child yep yeah, the uh As, i mean the,
1: I did a a video like a testimonial type of thing, which will will be cool, but um you know they they were just ecstatic because i mean no one's taken the time to actually and this is the sad truth is. No one's made the child do anything. No one made, has made the child, you know, they go to OT, they go to PT all the time, but nothing gets done where, where we had three staff members with him the whole time, putting him through movements, reinforcing those movements, using like all this different technology all at the same time in an intense manner. And that's what it takes to make a change is consistency and intensity, um, to get that neuroplasticity to start to happen. And, So the, uh, and that was number one, they were ecstatic just to see someone actually doing something and getting something done with him. Um, but then to see the changes, you know, they drove two and a half hours each way every single day and, you know, they, they couldn't wait to come back because of the change that they saw within a, a very short period of time. So they were ecstatic.
0: Wow. 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 How how incredible how incredible I can't even imagine well I can because I've seen it yeah. myself but but we d- were a child with such severe severe stims and so cut off from the world to yep. see just the beginning of a re engagement you know that that it that in itself if they if they saw nothing else that would be that would be incredible and and well, yeah. just to emphasize yeah. Josh this this was with without drugs this was without medication.
1: Yep. Yeah. And, you know, and you talk about like that beginning of engagement. Like now you can start to look at, well, now that he can start to engage, now what else can he do? Can he start doing his other therapies more appropriately? Can he start doing speech therapy more appropriately because he can actually start looking at someone and he's not stimming the whole time? Or can he actually start working on some of these other gross motor, fine motor, you know, uh, other skills because now he can actually. Uh, take in directions and start to try to do them you know so there's a huge aspect of e- just those 2 weeks what that's going to mean long term of him being able to start to work on those things
0: yes i mean you're putting foundational uh, uh blocks in place so that you can then build on more and more so that he can now yep. talk and he can now yes so it, as we've talked about consistently you've got to get the building blocks in in, in, in place first, and this is you know for any parents listening with with a child suffering from um, autism, then this is this is potentially very exciting news. Um, and Josh, is this something that those parents can also continue to do at home that they don't have to wholly rely on on clinic for?
1: Yep, yeah, they have an eight week at home plan that I'm going to have them continue to reinforce the stuff that we've done in the office. And then I'll have him come back, and I'll reassess him and see where he's at, and then decide on care from there.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. So this episode is uh, uh, Dr. Josh is going to is going to help us get a little bit more kind of executional. You know what what do exercise look like? What do programs look like? What 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 shape are we going to build this support upon? And Perhaps just to to wind back and and, and to relay some of the questions that that I'm dealing with with some of the parents that I'm speaking to. So first of all, you know, what are some of the questions you most commonly get asked by parents before they start on a rehabilitation or development program? Don't allow another year to slip away without tapping into the transformative knowledge that's reshaping Quinn's life and countless others. Join me, Lucia Silva, in the Brain Health Movement's groundbreaking Taster course, launching in January. Learn about healthy brain development and discover how to remove obstacles hindering your child's learning, attention, behaviour and development. Remember... Movement matters. Stay strong, stay connected, and continue to believe in the boundless power of your child. Armed with the right knowledge and support, you can be the catalyst for transformative change. Seize this opportunity now and visit thebrainhealthmovement.com or click the link in the show notes to enroll or find out more.
1: Um... A lot of times, it's why didn't they develop in the first place? Why didn't primitive reflexes develop in the first place? Um, How much time is it going to take? What else do I need to do? You know, like do, and that's where I talk about nutrition based stuff. Um, Those are probably the big ones. I mean, those three questions I hear the most. What about you? What have you been hearing?
0: I um yes, I get why didn't it happen? Did I do something wrong? Um, how come it's so bad now? What's changed? Um, you know all the stuff that we've covered in our previous podcast series. You know it's it's no it's no one's fault. It's um, but I think some parents maybe think that they need to have more or know more, and that it's going to be very complicated what they need to do. And that's why today I really want to show that you know I, I I'm not a scientist. I'm, I'm I've been studying neuroscience avidly since I began this, and I've done some training in it, but. I actually don't even know that that would have been necessary to execute what I have with 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 Quinn, um. I, and I want parents to really understand from you and I that they can implement this very simply. It's almost like a personal training program, an exercise mm-hmm. program. You know, where you look at you do look at your diet, and if there are any rampant allergies or issues in that area, of course those need to be looked at as well. But plain and simply, it's a movement based course, isn't it, Josh? It's
1: yeah yeah I mean you can you can make it as complex as you want you can run all these complex labs and do all this complex stuff but the foundation is still the foundation is you have to rehab it you have to put the work in to rehab it just like if you want to you know get get a six pack it doesn't happen by sitting there and doing nothing it's you know you, you have to work those muscles and you have to activate those muscles and you have to change your diet to get. Rid of body fat. And, you know, it, it's the same principles just as anything else in, in a movement based or in exercise based program. It's, it's all the same foundational principles. Uh, it's just getting started and doing it.
0: Yeah. And consistency, I think, is one of going to have to be one of our massive buzzwords. It's consistency. It's not about doing things for hours on end and making it really hard. It's about consistent intervention and implementation, isn't it?
1: Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like, can't go to the gym once and expect to be in shape. it takes months of doing activities, and you can't go out for a run on your first run and do two to three hours because you'll you'll be trashed for the next three weeks. You have to start slow and you have to build into it and just like and same with a kid, like these movements, they may seem easy for a lot of people, but they can be overstimulating for a kid that has a really underdeveloped system, so you have to start slower and build into it
0: yes that that's a good point. So some, some case studies, can we, can we talk about a, a, a few specific ones, Josh, in, in, in clinic yeah. just to, because we're going to yeah. have, we're going to have some parents listening who have got maybe uh, a nonverbal toddler. Then we're going to have another with a child that's maybe stuttering or stammering. We might have a teenager with te- attention and impulse control issues. So how about we yeah. just, could we go through, starting with a toddler? I mean, you just mentioned one, actually, a nonverbal yeah. toddler.
1: Yep. Um, so I'll try to keep it like relevant to like the last few weeks of practice. Um, so I I had a kid, uh, that I've actually probably worked with for the last year, uh, maybe eight or nine months, but, uh, uh, and he's on maintenance now and, you know, we just see him for uh, adjustments, stuff like that now. But the, uh, he, when he came to me, he had a speech apraxia. He wasn't really speaking much at all. And I see a lot of kids with speech apraxia, um, which is where they, they can't get the words out pretty much. Um, and he was in special education classes stuff like that um you know special speech classes and now this year he has gone back to school they've done all their assessments for school he's in the normal classroom he doesn't need speech therapy anymore
0: um oh my and
1: it started with getting rid of his primitive reflexes which were huge he i mean he had an asymmetrical tonic neck reflex he had a rooting reflex which is commonly seen in kids that have speech delays um, then we use something called a direct current, which I use a lot for kids that have speech delays. Cause there's quite a bit of research on helping to increase verbalization with that device. Um, and, and we use lasers and stuff like that too. But the main focus was getting rid of his primitive reflexes because your primitive reflexes need to be gone for imbalance. And it to be developed for our motor centers to develop Well, speech is primarily a motor-based skill. So if our motor centers aren't developed, you can't develop speech appropriately. And the area of the brain that actually gets speech out is called your Broca's speech area. Um, So if your motor centers aren't developed, that Broca's area can't efficiently mature and develop, and therefore you'll see speech delays or speech uh, apraxia type of issues. Um, It is at least what I find consistently is as we get rid of those reflexes and we start getting some blood flow to those areas of the brain, kids... Speech improves dramatically within a short period of time. Wow.
0: So just by starting again with the primitive reflexes, sort of talking or babbling if they haven't been speaking at all, does that suddenly accelerate? I mean, I'm thinking of a little kid, Um, Dr. Josh that's at school with my son. Um, He's a few years below and he still isn't speaking. I think he's about five. Um, He's also got a very awkward walk, which obviously ties into what you and I know is the motor development that you've just been talking about. But for for a little child like that, so we check his rooting reflex. It's there. We address that. What happens with that child's catch up because they haven't been speaking they've been listening, of course they've been mm-hmm. learning language. can they I mean it takes a little while to catch up, but does it does it suddenly happen? do they suddenly start talking or what 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 progress do you see what speed?
1: Yeah, usually they'll go from like you know no words or maybe a couple words um, when it's a true speech apraxia is what we're talking about, not an autistic disorder here um, is they'll usually go from a couple words to start to speaking. Multiple word sentences within the, uh, about six to eight weeks, and then from there it just takes off, and they start work. You know, m- many word sentences and using it a lot more context. Um, but it usually happens pretty quickly because their their understanding of speech is there, their ability to get it to the front of their brain is there, but just the ability to to get it out is not there because their motor centers aren't developed. In in that scenario, and when you get their motor centers more developed, they can actually start moving their mouth appropriately, articulating appropriately, making sounds more appropriately. Uh, and then it improves dramatically. And with this, like with especially speech apraxia, I can tell you with confidence I've maybe only had like maybe one kid that has not dramatically improved their speech in a matter of six to eight weeks. So it's, it's really consistent. Um, and that's not the same with every other disorder, but speech apraxia is, is um, one of the more common things that I see. And I mean, I've seen hundreds of kids with this issue, and there's very, very few that don't improve really quickly.
0: And um, that's so exciting. So, so exciting. Um, and stuttering and stammering, is that in a similar area?
1: Yeah, so that comes from your cerebellum, your lateral cerebellum. That's what it coordinates your speech centers. Um, and and my my actually my own son, he had, had uh, he fell really hard. This had been a few weeks ago now, and he I think he got a concussion. Um, and he started stuttering really bad, like and he had never stuttered before that, and like you know like trying to say what was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa and it would go on and on, and. uh, um. So even like an injury can do it, right? And so what we did is we we modified his diet to get inflammation. Now we put him on supplements to get inflammation. Now we lasered him to get inflammation down. And within a few days, it was pretty much back to normal. Now if he gets really tired, like even a, a week or two out here, when he gets really tired, uh, or he has too many carbs, you'll kind of hear it start to come back a little bit. But the uh, so thinking of it as there it can be a developmental reason, or it could be from you know, head trauma too, is, is another common reason. So, um, wow. always keeping those things in mind.
0: Yeah. Boy, do I want to make sure my kid falls over somewhere close to you. It's, um, <laughs> it's really quite, quite astounding how quickly with the right intervention, um, and how about teenagers, um, dr josh this is this is a, a a biggie it's a biggie from and we'll come on to it in in, in yep. a little bit with with how on earth do I get my teenage to even do these exercises but talk to us first about some results you might have had with with these Gordorn teenagers <laughs> the attention and the the tempers and the, the you know uh, yep. everything everything we know everything we know what 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 do you do what's happened
1: yep so I had a kid come for an intensive from Wisconsin it would have been probably three Three four weeks ago now, um, it was before school started because she mom. I remember mom was really worried about school because last year he was constantly getting in trouble. He was principal's office a lot. He was disrupting class all the time, being sent home for disrupting. You know, at home he was defiant, that type of thing. Didn't you know? Didn't want to go to school. All those types of things. Um, we worked with him for a week and. Mom messaged us after the first week of school and was like, I don't know what's going on. He's, you know, he's able to get out of the door on time. We haven't had any issues at school yet. Um, But that was just by working on primitive reflexes for a week. And then also I had him do, um, we did a food sensitivity test to make sure he wasn't eating foods he was sensitive to. We did a a urinary organic acids test, which we can talk a lot more about those, but that helps us figure out how his energy production is. So we put him on some, some, uh, supplementation or nutrients for that. And then we, we'd modify his diet a bit to get him on a a lower carbohydrate diet and a higher fat diet. So his blood sugar was more stable and that, what that does, it just helps with inflammation. So, um, a big aspect was the movement based aspect, but also an inflammatory aspect as well as playing into it. So we address those things and life's a lot easier.
0: So by addressing some of the evident dietary issues this t- yep. teenager you could say was 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 more amenable to moving on in the program with you if you like I mean part of it is that the the readiness is all how do we get any given person you can take a horse to water but you can't make it drink kind of thing so it's, it's about right. getting someone in the right space also you don't want them stressed and oppositional when you are trying to work with them either because that doesn't that's not conducive to, to healing or rehabilitation either i'm, I'm right. just wondering it, it helps of course that you are not the parents that, that that sometimes a teenager will respond differently because it's you it's not mum and mum's right. the worst person on the planet um for some teenagers so i just that's something we'll come on to but i mean you 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 saw and were able to get this teenager to settle down and be receptive and and will you would the next thing then be as we do with everyone on our on our programs and on rehabilitation back to primitive reflexes again start at the beginning with the teenager and see what's going on
1: yeah yep and <sighs> a lot of people like think, Oh, my kid just doesn't want to do it. Or he is, you know, defiant or whatever, but but let's put it this way. Let's say I told you that you need to go out and run two or three miles. And maybe you haven't done it in forever. First and foremost, secondly, you go, man, I am so tired. There's no way I can run three miles. I'm, you know, 15 pounds overweight. I don't have any energy. My joints ache all the time. You're going to say you're crazy. No way. And but that teenager, it might be the same thing. Like maybe his, his body and brain is so inflamed that he's uncomfortable in his own body all the time. Maybe he doesn't have any energy. Maybe he's eating foods that are constantly creating inflammation and these systems can't develop efficiently. And maybe a lot of that defiance is there's a true underlying reason for why he doesn't want to do it. And he may not be able to communicate that to you because just like any kid, they typically can't communicate what's going on efficiently. And maybe they've been that way for so long, they don't know something is is going on. So a lot of times, like whether it's behavioral issues or that type of stuff, usually there's an underlying reason for it. Or maybe their gut's dysregulated and their neurotransmitters are all off and they they feel just almost in a way depressed because of that. Or, you know, there's typically a reason is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yes, and you know i I look at again teenagers and young teenagers you know still packing in the sugar you know yep. they're on these prime drinks and so on, and you think, my God, they're not even regulated their blood sugar levels all over the place, they're popping all over the place from that, so uh-huh. you know you've got to start with with getting some sort of accessibility to them to get them calm calm enough but i but I yep. think it's um you've got to work hand in hand with the parents, you've got to work hand in hand with. Diet and 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 then changes yeah. will come about. I also think about you know, the parents are asking you know what does a program look like? What sort of exercises? How long? You know, am I talking about hours? Am I talking about? And 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 just from a personal point of view. And then Josh, please from your point of view, answer this too. But with with Quinn, it is a lot, but it's not a lot. It's a strange thing. It's if you've got a difficult child, then getting them to do five minutes of anything could be. Uh, feel insurmountable. But what I can encourage you to do is that with, with Quinn, we we do our best as you'll have heard from him in our very first podcast. We would do 10 minutes three times a day and we continue to do that now. And there are many times where he just doesn't feel like doing it. Of course, he, he's human. He wakes up feeling rubbish. He's had a bad night's sleep and the exercises, particularly for his core can be quite strenuous and he just doesn't feel like doing it. You know, that's reasonable. So you give and take. But the point is to be consistent. And the exciting part is Quinn now relates his exercises to why he is playing so well at football and why he's making friends and why he's engaging and why he feels lighter and while why he is able to regulate his emotions better. So that in itself will Encourage him, like Josh was saying earlier on. If you want the six pack? Boy, does it look good when you're looking in the mirror. That encourages you to keep. If that's what you're after, a great six pack, you keep going because it's looking good and the fat is sloughing off. If that's really what's important to you, well, what's been important to Quinn is friends and football and, as as he said so poignantly, engaging with the people that I love. I mean, can you imagine waking up from a place of isolation and feeling cut off to suddenly? opening your eyes and feeling in your body and engaging with the people you love around you, what more encouragement would you want to keep going?
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. The uh, um In my programs, like at home pre- programs are pretty similar, to be honest. Like uh, I'll have them work on exercise three times a day. They usually take anywhere from five to 10 minutes. Um, some people that are, you know, they really want to attack it. I might give them a little bit more in-depth stuff to do and you know maybe it ends up being one session that's 20 to 30 minutes long instead
0: right right so i mean in essence what we're saying um is is we're not talking about hours every day at all this is manageable plan organize your day make those times i would also recommend you know don't don't jump it on your kid or on your teenager plan it discuss it agree it make it consensual when would you like to do them? What's good for you? Do you want to do them before or after breakfast? Do you want to do them as soon as you get back from school? Or do you want to do them like a little bit later? Do you want to maybe take a break at school and do a set by yourself? You know, so there are ways that you can really do it as a team rather than it feeling, particularly for a teenager, like it's another thing that's been imposed on me by my by my parents. You know, so Josh, you know, Parents are saying to me, look, I already feel I can't get any compliance with my with my older kids, just getting them to get out of bed, get off their screens, come down to dinner. Um, you know, the, the, they really are an entirely different animal. And I can already visualize parents' heads in their hands saying, really? You know, how? Um, so just to recap on what we're saying, or could you recap for us, you know, what What is going to be the best first steps if you've got an v- extremely difficult teenager at home and you know that there are some issues around the symptomatology we've talked about attention emotional regulation even some issues in school with reading and so forth what what, what do you think is the best first step to support these parents who are who are just unsure how to go about this
1: yeah um <clears throat> first and foremost be changing the mindset of the parent from, well, I can't do that, or, you know, to how can I do that, which is going to open up their mind to like, maybe there's, there's some possibilities how I can figure this out. What does my child like to do that maybe I can utilize as a reward for him for when he does these exercises or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so first and foremost is just changing the parent's mindset of a, trying to be creative with it, right? Um, but then there's figuring out I'm going to think of the right words here. Is there any underlying reasons for why they maybe don't want to do it? It, And it could just be a truly behavioral issue. But typically, again, I find that behavioral issues have a lot to do with underlying physiology of maybe they don't have any energy. Maybe their diet needs changed so they can, you know, actually do the exercise appropriately and they have energy to do it. Um, But I think the most important thing, especially with a teenager is, educating them of why, you know, and if, like for example, and I know Quinn's younger, but if you were to say to Quinn, Hey, these exercises are going to make you way better at soccer and help you there. And then you start seeing that happen after a few weeks of him getting more, you know, more developed and able to play soccer better. That's going to reinforce that. I usually try to link it to something that they really want to do that they, you know, they really want to improve in. Um, and having a serious conversation about like what do you want to do? What do you want to be good at? How do you you know, and you can link any movement-based thing, yes, maybe their behaviors are a problem, but they have a movement-based issue as well. So you can link it back to I want to be better at baseball. I want to be better at yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can link it to something like that. Like sometimes when kids come into the clinic. I don't even talk about their reading issue. I just talk about, hey, how can we make you better at this sport or that sport? And then they think the only reason that, that they're there is for sports performance, not for the reading at all. And then on a side note, the reading improves as their sports, impor- and sports performance improves because same systems need to develop for both to happen.
0: That, that's so interesting. I mean, I, I, I would put that down to framing and mindset right if you yeah. can if if you if it's how you frame it a, a, a great analogy is a girlfriend of mine and it was having a, a, a lot of issues with her with her husband and we decided that we were going to call it um executive life coaching but it was it was going to see a shrink essentially because he, yeah. he had a lot of a lot of issues but we couldn't call it seeing a therapist we couldn't because that was a huge trigger for him but we called it Uh, you know, an executive life coach. So he was telling everybody that he was going to see this person because it was, you know, he's, he's senior in business and this was just going to refine his awesome business executive skills, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter because ultimately it got him there. He's doing brilliantly. It's just the support that he needs, but that, that was motivating for him. So as you say, think about what it is that would be Motivating, Qu- Quinn actually said to me the other day, and and, and Mummy, you know, I was I said to him, what do you think are some of the questions parents would have or kids would have about this program, Quinn? And and he said, yeah, he said to me, Mummy, I don't know how you're going to get some of the kids I know to do these because they just shout at their parents all the time. So I think you need to work out some way of rewarding them, which is what you've just said. So positive reinforcement and re- rewarding you know maybe it's not screens obviously because we're working hard to get them off screens for a thousand reasons but mm-hmm. yes it might be that if they manage to, to 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 do this for the first month and they get to go see a game that they've been dying to see or they 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 get to go out with their their friends or go out for a great dinner or something it doesn't always have to be financially costly but it could be right. more freedom you know so look for look for what most importantly is motivating for your For your kids. And I think a lot of the material, Dr. Josh, that you and I will be able to share will show before and after. And I think if you can show teenagers successfully living their lives, so maybe doing some of the exercises and then being fantastic at football, being fantastic at dancing and singing and all these cool things that teenagers want to, you know, with friends and engaging and leading great lives. It's about also having champions and ambassadors and people who they look up to doing this too, living healthily, getting off their screens, playing sport, moving, getting strong, being healthy, not drinking rubbish sodas and so forth. So... It's yep.
1: there's
0: there's lots of ways that we that, that we can do this.
1: Well, I just have a perfect example of this that I that I think will help a lot of parents out there. So I saw this teenager, this is actually a long time ago, um it was probably like three years ago, and this kid was he was probably would be considered probably Asperger's ish. Um the uh or he did have a diagnosis of that at that time, but we don't really use that anymore. But anyways, he was addicted to video games. He'd play like eight hours of video games a day he only had friends online he, he you know he didn't have a trash diet because was just sitting there all day and I had him take video games completely away like in I mean it was at that point it was devastating for him because it was well I, how am I going to play with my friends blah 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 but what ends up happening it's kind of crazy is They start learning new things that they start making, you know, better, um, healthier decisions, and they start making new friends in those better, healthier things. So now he is the best guitar player. Like it's insane. He, he puts them up on Instagram and I love watching him because he'll listen to a song and he'll, he has perfect pitch. So he will play, he'll play the song right after it. And it is amazing, truly amazing. And, but he never would have learned that skill or never even been introduced that skill if if his parents wouldn't have been willing to say hey we're going to reinforce this we're not going to just you know let let him do whatever or be more or less be his friend we're going to be his parents and we're going to we're going to enforce these things and they didn't have to do it for that long they enforced those things for 2 3 weeks and by then it became habit and then that new habit set in new um new things that he started to learn and and start getting incorporated in other things. And then, you know, he was in band and all these other great things where he was interacting with other people and not through a video game.
0: Oh, that is such a great example. Such a great example. And it's self-fulfilling. Yeah. That kid now is, is loving that. And, and I, the screen is so much less interesting than being a a cool rock kid. Yeah. He's playing in a band and what could be better? It's like, it's, and as you say, it was such a roadblock to discovering all of that potential talent. That's yeah. aside from the active damage that over time we will share that screens do actually do to the brain. Let's forget about the active damage. That's that's just a roadblock to. Oh, I mean, what a what a what a fantastic example. So yes, I mean, and that's hard. I mean, I have, I have a a a mother friend at school who is terrified to take the screen away from her child because i've been saying that's the first thing we need to do and she's like i'm a single mom i have no i have no other babysitting i have no other support i have nothing and he will scream the house off and it's a scary prospect but it may well be you know your kid can only scream for so long yeah and then that 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 is going to stop and you are going to discover a treasure trove of wonders in your child, if you can just create that space for it to happen.
1: Yeah. And when you take those things away, like there's so many other things there. And when they get bored, they'll go find new things to do. And it might be going outside and playing, it might be drawing or art, it might be something that you would never even think that they would enjoy doing. And they'll start doing it a lot and they'll get really good at it. Or they'll, you know, enjoy the outdoors, which is amazing for you um, and amazing for your brain. But they'll pick something else that is much more beneficial. It takes about two to three weeks and their brain will adapt and change. It always does.
0: Well, that's a very interesting headline in itself, Dr. Josh. Thank you. You know, two to three weeks for it to change. I I, I didn't actually have that information to hand. So, Can you get through two to three weeks of hell, parents? Because at the end of that, (laughs) you will see a difference. If you can, here's your challenge. Three weeks of hell. Can you do it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, yes. And uh, a lot of it's just based because they're addicted. I mean, like, truly, they're addicted to the dopamine hits from video games. They're addicted to the dopamine hits from, you know, know, whatever activity. But once that gets taken out, they're going to go through a withdrawal period, just like any addict with any drug. They're gonna go through a withdrawal for a couple of weeks. But then after it, they're fine.
0: And then they're fine. i that the, there's the addicted to the algorithm as I as I put it. You've got the dopamine, yep. which is what happens chemically, and then you've got this algorithmic thing where you keep being fed relevant information because, you know, clever little devices out there read exactly what it is you, you're interested in and it keeps giving it to you. And so you actually never have internally, what I would call internally motivated creativity, which is what okay. happens in a, in, in a bored moment. What happens when you have to, uh, I'm a, I'm a designer and creative by, by, by trade originally. And, and the greatest moments happen to me from silence and, and tranquility from that moment where there is not so much going on. I can give birth, can give rise to something new. But if there is constant, constant input stimulation, I'm picking up my phone. I'm looking at this. am like, there's no space, so that is a really important part of of of, of changing the the neural pathways as well to create a, a different form of stimulation. Right?
1: Yep, for sure.
0: So, are there any immediate game changes or quick wins for any kid starting? Um, on the longer term program, you know, whilst we're working on the program to help with the really difficult challenges, especially in the older and teenage kids we've talked about. Um, if a child is having an emotional outburst, a high stress moment or anxiety, a panic attack, a refusal to go to school, is there any anything interventionally? I mean, I, I, I'm going to share with you, Josh, and I don't know how correct this is, but I, I, I do it with Quinn. I will get him to, to get down on the floor. It's quite hard to do when he's not in a great space but if if I get him to breathe deeply through his nose and I get him down on the floor and he does snow angels which we will mm-hmm. explain in due course but it's a very simple movement on his back on the floor that will often calm him down. Um can any of can any of what we're doing be used interventionally?
1: Yeah, yeah, the uh it, that I mean that's great like your breath is one of the fastest ways to calm down your central nervous system. Um, so like breathing slow, deep, trying to get to where maybe you're only doing six to seven uh, breaths a minute. Cause like when you're in one of those states, you're going to be breathing like 14 to 20 times a minute. And the fast way to calm down your nervous system is to calm down your breathing rate. Um, so that's number one. But then number two, like you can do a lot of stuff like vagal nerve activation, like gargling water, having them sing, having them uh, you know, vibrating their abdomen and their chest and around their neck that all activates that vagal system, which helps calm down stress. Um, and, but I would say from like, just a, a big picture viewpoint is number one, making sure that their blood sugar is stable. They're not eating foods that are spiking their blood sugar. Cause that can put them when their blood sugar gets too high, it can put them in, in, a, um, in a state of like a fight or flight or stress when it gets too low, it can do the same thing. So when you have these big fluctuations that can create a lot of issues because it creates inflammation. Um, and secondly, make sure they're sleeping and making sure that they're not on electronics within a couple hours of going to bed, and making sure that they're, you know, the the lights in the house are lower at night, so they're going to bed at a good time, and their circadian rhythm can function appropriately, and they can actually get good, deep, restful sleep because you don't get restful sleep, your brain can't heal, nothing can function well. Um, It's one of the biggest risk factors for attentional issues, one of the biggest risk factors for um, weight gain. It's one of the, you know, not sleeping well is a big issue. So making sure that those two things are in place are, are really helpful for all aspects of development, especially emotional outbursts, stress, anxiety, those types of things.
0: Right, so ban those screens before bedtime. No matter how much kicking and screaming goes on, they're not allowed to be on screens in in that period oh, yeah. in the lead up to bedtime. It's not, yeah. not, helpful. Read, not helpful.
1: Read books, even like the, some just simple sleep hygiene aspects of like putting red uh, light bulbs in their their lights that are in their bedroom. So like the first a- the hour or thirty minutes before they go to bed, they're just getting red light. They're not getting Um, light from normal light bulbs, which put off blue light, which is, um, which gives you replicates like the sun being out more or less. Um, So like a red light will get them even more into a a sleep full state. And then and you can still read and stuff like that with a red light. So those are just uh, some quick sleep hygiene things that can help. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to give you some quick fire, some quick fire questions that have come from parents as well, which is um, as follows. So what about anxiety and depression? Are these not chemical imbalances, Dr. Josh, not neurological delays?
1: Can be. Um, Number one, you need to think of um, what is anxiety? What is depression? You know, like, is it actually anxiety? Those are really subjective things like, oh, I'm anxious. Well, is it is is it true anxiety where it could be a chemical imbalance or, you know, is it a fight or flight response? Are they anxious in busy places when their vestibular system is being challenged? Do they still have a startle reflex? It shouldn't be that it's making them anxious. Um, and, and same with depression. Are they truly depressed or do they have a mitochondrial deficiency and they don't have enough energy so they're actually just more or less fatigued all the time? So, like, what is the true underlying issue? And and if it is a true, like, neurotransmitter chemical issue there, what's going on in their gut? You know, like, 80% of the neurotransmitters for our body and our brain are produced in our gut. So, if we have, you know, if we have a deficiency in serotonin, and therefore that's going to cause us to be depressed, well, what's going on in your gut that you're not actually breaking down those proteins, utilizing uh, utilizing those substrates to make serotonin? so the, there's usually underlying reasons and there can also be developmental and neurological imbalances from one uh, cortex to the next that can play into this too so there's a developmental aspect but there's there is also a, a looking at a whole systems approach um, that can play into it so it's figuring out what's the underlying things and there might be multiple but addressing those underlying foundational issues is more important than just you know t- taking a medication or something like that to try to get the those neurotransmitters or biochemical pathways functioning more efficiently
0: right so it comes back again to
1: is at least my thought
0: yes I, I that makes sense I mean essentially all all roads lead to let's get to the root cause um, rather than you know slapping on to the symptomatology which is anxiety and depression let's ask why and let's go back to Blood sugars, let's go back to diet, let's go back to primitive reflexes, all of which I'd like to say that when we begin with our suggested assessment, that assessment will hopefully catch all so that when we start on um, a, a program of addressing the primitive reflexes, we we will be able to check some of these large areas as well. They kind of they have to go hand in hand, don't they, Dr. Josh.
1: Yeah, and even like the the simple stuff, like a CBC, uh, like and checking your blood sugar, those should be things that are pretty much standard at your pediatric visit. Like those are things that they're next to nothing cost wise to run. Um, What's but, a
0: CBC, Doctor Josh? Just for uh, those of us uh, yep, who don't know, a CBC.
1: Yep, a complete blood count just to make sure that your child's not anemic. Uh, well, it tells you a lot of stuff about how immune system functioning if there's infections that type of stuff but it can also give you good indication if there's an an anemia issue or lack lack of ability for your red blood cells to carry oxygen efficiently Um, so those simple basic blood panels they can tell you a massive amount about just these these basic things that are needed for our brain and our body to develop and function well
0: So I think it would be fair to say that before starting on any of the programs that we'll be guiding you to, there would be a a checklist once your assessment is done. If there are areas that are being highlighted like emotional deregulation, lack of sleep, um, anxiety, depression, it may well be that that we would encourage you to go and have these tests. And that way we have the full um, we're fully furnished with all of the information before embarking on the program, just to make sure that we have the maximum um, potential to, to get this right. To, to get this right, right and to tailor that to tailor the program accordingly. So, children with different symptoms, in some cases, will need to be doing some differently tailored exercises and movements, will not they, Josh? You could say that a child who's non-verbal and maybe we'd be working on the rooting reflex, could be very different from a child um, uh, like Quinn, for example, who is dealing with um, a tick or who is dealing with another child who's dealing with reading issues. So there will be some areas that will have tailored exercises, but all children would need to assess their primitive reflexes first, and all children would need to be building on their foundational issues, as we've discussed. But then it would be refined a little bit later in the program. Is that a fair way to surmise some of the differences?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like a kid that has, you know, attention issues and ADHD might have more reflexes than someone that just simply has handwriting issues. Um, You know, so like the more delayed or underdeveloped a child is, typically the more reflexes are present, the less delayed a child is. usually the less reflexes they have and maybe the more specific reflexes they have. So yes, every plan is kind of different, but when you learn to assess them, you know, well, my kid has these three reflexes or this one reflex or these seven reflexes. And then you can tailor your plan based off of uh, what reflexes are actually present.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's so exciting. I, I just cannot wait to start building these programs and seeing exactly how, how we can take the wonderful work that you do in in clinic and and, and bring it to home. So one of the questions again is, can you give me an idea of what the steps or a course or a journey like mine in Quinn's might look like? Um, And Josh and I are just, uh, Dr. Josh and I are developing some of the principles of how to take the best of what he's doing in clinic uh, to Parents at home. And we started with an idea of a seven steps of a sort of radical, drug-free, transformative healing program. And those steps would look something like this. Your R would be realization, and that's the education that, that we need. You don't need to go get a neuroscience degree as we've discussed, but the scientific facts that, you know, will make sense of your child and their symptoms and challenge. I think it's about understanding the root causes that we have begun to explore in this podcast series. Number two, A, assessment. And that's a preliminary assessment of your child to see where the challenges lie in order to tailor the program accordingly. D, diet and health. Dr. Josh has talked today about how Quite often, a a child with apparent ADHD could be anemic or blood sugar levels could be causing all sorts of spikes in behavior, problems with sleeping, and so forth. Health around sleep, no screens before bed, those sorts of things. So that's the D. I is for inspiration. And goodness knows we all need that. Our community, case studies, shared success stories, shared triumphs. our before and after stories; those would all be a part of, of of really keeping everybody's mindset positive and committed, which is the C, commitment, consistency, and a big part of what I really want to bring to these programs is self care. Uh, Dr. Josh uh, is 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 aware, as am I, that it takes two. To tango with this one. And by this, I mean parents as one and kids as the other. And if you're not taking care of yourself, you may be a single mum like me, and it can be hard, but you have to make sure that you are supported. And if you are supported and you take care of yourself, and you can keep going, and that then feeds into the commitment and consistency that's necessary for the program. And once all of those are in place, then you're ready for action. Give me some movement. This is the nitty-gritty of the exercise plan itself, which would be organized into cohorts according to symptomatology and possibly age as well. And finally, L, that's love and launch. Lift off, <laughs> starting the program, the protocol for healing and, and realizing your child's potential supported by this loving community and, and fueled by the love for your child. I, I very specifically talk about this program being for Devoted parents, and uh, I really mean that. And I know that you all want the best for your children. So, so we, yeah, it helps to have an acronym. So there it is: Radical, the Radical Drug Free Transformative Healing Program for your child. That's what that's what we're working towards. And some questions that may stem from this, Doctor Josh. What what? It's it's an annoying question, and I know it's not a straightforward question to answer, but it is one that I think most parents will ask instinctively. How long might we expect to be doing these exercises before seeing results?
1: I always try to tell parents to look at the neurological findings and work on those before you expect symptomatic improvement. So like, for example, Primitive reflexes, like let's say we're going to talk about the asymmetrical tonic neck reflex, right? Like that should go away right around six to eight months of life. And but then maybe the kid is having impulse control issues, behavioral regulation issues. Well, that you know, like my two and a half year old, he's just currently learning how to control his emotions in, in a, a a very minimal way. He's learning how to listen, how to you know, at two and a half, three. So, like, a lot of those systems that should start developing at two and a half or three maybe can't develop because of there's reflex in the way that should develop at eight, nine months. So, if we're looking at a child from a developmental perspective is, I want to see that their reflexes are getting better within, you know, four to six weeks. I want to see that the reflexes are gone within a few months. I want to see their balance center starting to develop after that, their eye tracking center starting to develop after that. So, when we look at the true neurological signs and symptoms, that's what I want to see improving. As those improve and their brain has a little bit of time to catch up and reorganize itself, that's when you start seeing symptomatology improve. I can't tell you like how many times I saw a kid that had attention issues that we worked with for three months. All the reflexes look good, vestibular system look good, eyes look good. But parents are like, yeah, nothing's really changed in their, their attention and stuff. But then I see them back three or six months later for a reassessment and they go, It's amazing. They can focus now their school is going so good, you know, like, all those things have improved, but their brain needed time to catch up. So there's an aspect of we have to work on getting these things developed before we'll ever see symptomatic change. And sometimes those symptomatic changes come right along with these with uh, as these systems mature. But sometimes it does take a little bit of time for that brain to catch up and, and to you know, reorganize and heal.
0: That's that's fair, and 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 along the way, not to frighten anybody, there are some challenges that you can encounter too, right? I remember at one point being told that you know we're going back now and we're re we're rehardwiring we're rehardwiring Quinn's brain. He might wet the bed. I was like, what? You know, he's 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 not he's not a bed wetter. Um, And another one was, uh, did Quinn go through the terrible twos? And I was like, no, no, he was a great baby, super easy. Uh, and I remember the the neuroscientist going, oh dear. I was like, what do you mean, you oh will. dear? <laughs> oh yeah, you kind of that was that was that's a milestone. I was like, what do you mean that's a milestone? You're supposed to have the terrible twos. You know, those kids in supermarket floors that embarrass their parents because they're kicking and screaming. That's a kind of, you know, it's okay at a certain point in time. That's a, that's a thing. And then we need to see that thing. So you may well, now that we're going back and going through it all again and Quinn's playing catch up, you may have terrible twos in a nine year old's body. And I was like, Oh, Lordy Lord. So, um, you know, that, that's, can you talk a little bit on that, Josh, that, that, that you can yeah. have some sort of some highlights along the way?
1: Yeah. The, uh, I, don't quote me on the exact number because I, I can't remember exactly how many is off the top of my head, but I think from the age of like zero to 10, there's like, I don't know, 12 or 14 natural neurological regressions. Um, like terrible twos is considered a neurological regression where basically what's happening is you have all these neurons inside of your brain that are making all these connections, but then you have neurons that aren't really being utilized efficiently um, or synapses that aren't being used efficiently. So our brain does something called pruning where we go and we get rid of those those connections. During that, um, you'll typically see regressions because it is an inflammatory process that your Im- immune system's involved. You'll get a, re- a little bit of a regression. But the cool thing is after it, my wife always says this, which I think is really cool. Is after it, you see these big explosions in function. So, like my wife calls it, like you know, p- pulling back the arrow before you release the the before you release it, right? And it's true. Like you see this regression, but then you see these big changes in function after it, which is really cool. And that's how you know it's a re- uh, how I know in my office that it's a, a regression is if I recheck their reflexes and they're continuing to improve, I recheck their balance, it's continuing to improve, I recheck their eyes, it's continuing to improve. Therefore I know it's a regression versus if I look at them and all their reflexes are back and their eyes look horrible. I'm like, what happened? You know, then that's a different story. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. you know, they maybe ate something they should have, shouldn't have. Maybe they hit their head on something. You know, maybe they didn't sleep at all for like two days for some random reason. Or they got sick. Like those things can throw it off a little bit. But but typically, it's just a regression and it's normal.
0: And I can certainly concur with that, that that sometimes the the what I would call the honeymoon period after you've had this little kind of blip, this incredible honeymoon period, sometimes you don't notice it when it's going on. I remember at the end of a week thinking, oh, my word, I've just walked to and from school with Quinn in totally engaged conversation. That hasn't happened. That hadn't happened before. He'd be either stimming or he'd be dist- you know he'd be distracted or off somewhere and i was i was it, it, and that happened just shortly after a very oppositional very emotionally challenging period with him where i honestly thought we were going backwards and i was like i don't know what's happening here i'm not sure this is working oh my goodness and it only happened for about a week but because i'd never had a child that was oppositional and defiant and difficult he's always been a a lovely easy natured child I suddenly had this kickback it it frightened the life out of me but at the end of that week came this wonderful engagement and conversation so I can absolutely testify firsthand to experiencing that um up and down moment so I think it's a it's a it's a good moment to sign off we've explained a little bit today I hope and given you some idea of of how implementable all of this is and how there are steps to follow. The support is here. The community is here. um, And Dr. Josh has seen so many extraordinary transformations in clinic and out of clinic. I hope that a lot of the information is now falling into place for you. Maybe we can just leave with some words of encouragement, Dr. Josh, from from you, first of all, in your years of doing this as a departing word on this wonderful, my mighty Quinn introductory series, some words of final encouragement to our parents.
1: Um, it's not always easy, but it's always worth it. Like that's what every parent tells me is like, you know, they they had to do some sacrificing. They had to do with with everything, you know, time at home, with changing diet, with, you know, whatever it may be. But what I always find out at the end is, number one, it's always worth it. Number two, the family in, in whole is always healthier. And, you know, maybe that's, you know, they're all working together towards a common goal. They're, maybe they're all changing their diet together to help this one child, but that makes everyone else healthier. You know, the the parents feel better. The they're now getting, you know, starting to all sleep because now this kid is starting that's struggling is starting to sleep, and so everything gets better as you know a, a family. And yes, it's hard, it's challenging, but it's always rewarding. Uh, and and you get to see some really significant changes in your child when you actually put in the work to make it happen. And I just encourage you to put in that work and and you know really take it seriously and really attack it because if you do anything. You know, halfway, you're not going to get nearly where you should be. But if you jump in, you know, you fully jump in and you start learning and educating yourself and implementing, you're going to make really significant changes for that child long term.
0: That is so very powerful. And as a as a uh, final thank you to you, Josh, for this incredible work you do with children and for supporting and partnering me along the way on our. Mission, our venture, our endeavor to take this out to the world I, I I couldn't be prouder to be working alongside you. so my thanks to you again.
1: You're welcome. God is good. It's been a very big blessing for us as well.
0: And as a final note to the parents, I was reflecting just as I was listening to Dr. Josh, what really, really is this all about? C- can you remember if you wind back in time to the moment? you decided to have your first child. You may have one child, or you may be sitting listening right now, willing and wishing to conceive. You may be pregnant. You may be looking at some very challenging teenager in front of you. But wherever you are, remember that moment of deciding that you were going to have a child. And all the dreams and all the excitement and all of the wonder at this huge responsibility of bringing this life into the world and how you are going to be the best possible parent you could possibly be and what that entails and what that demands of you. And this is it. This is is it now. This is the most important thing that I believe we do in this life. We have our careers. Goodness knows I have my, my businesses which I love, but there is quite clearly nothing more important than my child and they are the future and they are your legacy. So breathe into that. Remember that that is where this story begins and ends and you will find the energy, you will find the time and you will find the commitment to do this for your children. And on that note, I'm going to sign off today. And thank you so much for staying with me, for listening to this. Onwards and upwards and lots of love. Bye bye for now. Thank you for joining my mighty Quinn today. I hope the explanations, revelations and transformations shared leave you feeling inspired and empowered knowing that there are positive, successful interventions available to you right now that address the root causes and alleviate the struggles that your beautiful child may be facing. Remember, the triumphs and transformations of My Mighty Quinn were born from the fruits and power of information. Information is the true mothership, and armed with knowledge, support, determination, and a whole lot of love, your children will flourish. Stay tuned for my next episode, where as a parent to parent, I'll bring you more leading doctors and experts in the field of child brain development and more empowering information brought to you kindly, accessibly, and effectively. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, review, and share with those who can benefit. Remember to join our free brain health movement on Facebook for a supportive community. Download our amazing eye-opening free guide on the website, And look out for courses to implement the program arriving early in the new year. You can find all the links you need in the show notes. Remember, movement matters. Stay strong, stay connected and continue to believe in the boundless power of your child.